0: Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Killer Collab Podcast. My name is Tony Deffin Florida, Tony D. To my first left, we have Chris Leto from Reaper Films. Howdy. To my other left, Joe Davison. Hi. And from The Conjuring, the Devil Made Me Do It, our special guest, Paul Wilson.
1: The first one I felt The first one I fell, I fell in love with. And people were like arguing with me all the time they're like why i was like dude the whole movie centers around that one scene where they're all trying to grab her right. under the house that movie was so crazy. the whole thing goes to that point it's fucking amazing
2: okay and i, so, I love i just loved the first one so much it had such a kubrick vibe to it you know yeah, yeah for um, sure I, and i think that's what james won and the team and the staff and the producer they've really excelled at creating such a unique style. I mean, of course, the funny part is I think that my brother is in, you know, the Insidious franchise and the Conjuring franchise, and that's uh, Ronald and James Warren. I mean, Lee and James created Saw and right. came together for Saw and kind of created that franchise, yeah. and then uh, Lee wanted to do the Insidious kind of franchise, and James really didn't, so James said, well, I'll just take my little Conjuring project. And so they're both obviously very successful, but Patrick right. is kind of a link the two. That's and Patrick. Patrick will direct the fifth Insidious,
1: starting next month. Man, mm-hmm. Yeah, starring us as as a detective <laughs> team who comes in and we fight ghosts. That would be fun. I could put him in the movie. All right, right. He's <laughs> gonna be. The, he's you. gonna be the next
0: seven degrees of separation. He's gonna be the next one, Patrick. We'll Be the oh, yeah, yeah, instead of sure. Kevin Bacon, he'll be the new Kevin Bacon, yeah, <laughs> it could be, yeah. Um,
2: we had a good time shooting that Conjuring show. There was some, there was some
0: spooky stuff that happened there on second, I would tell you. But uh, when mm-hmm. you know you're in a Conjuring movie, when the parting gift is holy water. Ah. <laughs> Did it burn when it, when it, when it, when it touched
1: you? Uh,
2: it, it always burns me, I don't know about you. <laughs> no, I was fine, luckily, so I guess I passed the mustard. Um, <laughs> we had moments where there were, um, when we shot, in the I play called Grazo, I mean, the Grazo house, which was in Samoa, where they shoot a lot of Walking Dead. The exterior, um, basically, uh, there's a house that was used in the right green to a very kind of classic, Victorian-looking mansion. Um, it was like July, like 95 degrees, I and mean, they call it water for a reason, right? Yeah. And so, we had gone into the foyer to kind of, all we were shooting that day was the arrival of the house, which is in kind of a very opening sense the movie. And so we went inside for a break instead of reverse camera. And this collection assistant comes running out of this little parlor. I was like, What's wrong with you? And she's like, Don't come in there. That light is on and it's not plugged in. Weird stuff. The very first take of our scene I and my first day on the job and first take. It was a scene where the Glossow family moves into the house where, you know, the spirit uh, will occupy later and harass us. I don't want to give it all away. The first take, about, you know, about 100 people in clear and cameras on an 80-foot gym, and he yells, Action, you are ready, and then, boom, a compressor blows up. So, just kind of odd. Hmm, on the first take in the house in which... We're going to be terrorized by this something, right? The very first take, we get a little warning shot, so yeah. little things like that. I would have resigned.
0: <laughs> yeah, you guys have followed a spoof <laughs> movie. I'm gonna. <laughs> have <a good> time. <laughs> <laughs> Floating on a flamingo in Florida. Oh man, I couldn't imagine that happening on any set, just just especially a conjuring set. Oh, yeah. no, I would be freaked out to the to the degree of like, yeah, no, yeah, no, I'm gonna go. On every every time <laughs>
2: every, every every obviously I'm only in the third one. But every time they would start the first day, and we actually had it at the table, we had some Catholic priests come and bless the and cast. Because there's some crazy stuff we're dealing with. But um, let's just put it this way. It would challenge you not to think this is all over. Let's put it that way. Hmm. Um, Do you
0: think that helped you get into it? I already feel that way. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Do you think that helped you get into the mindset of, uh, of you know, the, that type of movie? Like, they, like, did it prepare you, or they were just doing it because it was actually legitimate? Like No, they're, I mean, they really
2: believe that, um, you know,
0: we're dealing with heavy subject matter. When you're
2: talking about conjuring up the devil and demons, mm-hmm. um, the, the clergy don't like that. So they wanted to make sure we were, um, you know, in good shape, let's say spiritually protected. Um, okay. right. And it, it definitely... You know, it'll wake you up when that happens. We also had a guest arrive uh, on set who was actually sent to prison for murder. He stabbed somebody 19 times. And that's one of the characters portrayed in the movie, in Conjuring 3. And that was a little odd, meeting someone who was effectively a murder, convicted murderer. Yes.
1: And he, um, he was out of
2: prison? Oh, yeah. He served, his name is Arnie Johnson, right? And so he he was convicted. Um, um, of um, um, manslaughter, the charge was reduced. It's the very first case in American history where an accused murderer um, claimed uh, his defense was by reason of demonic possession. And the jury believed him. Uh, it was a very famous book called The Devil in Connecticut That's a, a big part of the plot of Conjuring 3*. Wow,
1: okay. I want to so yeah, That's kind they of reduced the sure charge and he served five years
2: and then he got married and then she just passed away. but he, got married to debbie blotzer who's the
1: daughter of the character that i played oh wow
0: okay okay interesting Interesting.
1: yeah did she die of knife wounds (laughs) um too soon sadly sadly she didn't wake up
2: one day so um, because of knife wounds (laughs) i wasn't there so i can't officially (laughs) say right
1: right or else you'll get stabbed (laughs) <laughs> I go out all day folks. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm put here on this
0: seat. Uh, you see what I have to deal with every week? <laughs> I, I, I should become a saint for having to deal with this guy. Oh, come on. Come on. <laughs> I don't know. He, What's he, it like
3: working under James Wan's direction? Is he... Like how's he
2: oh, just He'll make you feel like a child. and I mean he's really fun. Everything's exciting. He's like get in the corner! <laughs> <laughs> a certain, a certain enthusiasm that is infectious to the sort of least. but right. I, I think the entire team—they've got this so well dialed in that they know exactly what they want. Um, in in our case, what was really kind of fun is the movie was ready to go on September eleventh of two thousand twenty, right. um, and then you know we had this craziness of COVID yeah. um, called COVID. Well, it we're gave on. us a chance to kind of get the audience to test it. So we actually got some really wonderful feedback through the studio tests, the screens, and uh, we're able to, I think, end up with a better movie because one you know, the, of the primary baddies played by is in life, and mm-hmm. in the movie, oh, in well. the script and what we shot, right, um, the audience went in of that and kind of helped to solve really a little bit of a, an issue that we couldn't really see until the very end, right. so we end up with more of her character, which I think makes it a lot more, a lot more scary and a lot more fun. Yeah,
0: oh yeah, we definitely know her very well. She's been on the show uh, before, so she she was on here for a, a really good show. Um, she, yeah, she said a lot. A couple of things happened on on set as well. So I, I was just curious of how how, how much how if you have experienced those stuff too. But I guess so. <laughs> oh yeah, there's there's definitely. Some weirdness. I mean, see, I didn't work the same days. Um, well, that's why I was, cu- I was curious because she she mentioned some some supernatural stuff, and I was like, okay. And then you came out. And I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> <that's just enough. laughs> so that was just a So that's that's very funny. Yeah.
3: That's definitely mastered the art of the jump scare. Like, mm. you never really saw jump scares like his until Conjuring. Um, you know that whole like. Real tense moment, and then you think someone's gonna jump out and it doesn't, and you relax, and then it pops out, and you're just like, ah, <laughs> like he's totally
2: mastered that. And uh, especially in Townsend 3, um, and the stuff that they reshot, or I should say, the additional footage that they shot based on the, the audience feedback that sequence with her coming down the hall is still scary to watch. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. So, so how many changes and how many additions were uh, put in after all? The, after some of the screenings,
2: well, one character was completely eliminated. Oh. So, wow. yeah, um, and then and then the actor was brought back, which was a class move from Timmy, of course, Absolutely. to find another role for him. So, but it he was space to being cut completely out of the movie. Yeah. Oh man. Um, That's tough. And and they. Uh, the audience more or less kind of tied two of these characters together in the, t- in the test screenings. They were not tied together in the script. So that that made for a really interesting kind of bow at the end of that relationship. Yeah. Um, so a lot of the sequences between the priest, the retired, and clergy, uh, played by the great John Irby, um, and usually were, were shot really uh, just before the we release. So, I think it came out when, Was it Jim? Yeah, Jim. Yeah. Jim. Jim. Jim of last year. So I think usually was still shooting in like February or March of last year at this time to
1: finish that sequence. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's like under the gun, man. Yeah,
0: yeah but yeah. making those decisions that cut out a whole character, that, that's a tough decision to make and also tough for the actor to even understand. But uh, it was a real class move to bring him back. Um, totally. Yeah,
2: they didn't have to do that. Yeah, I mean, it, was, it really was just based on the audience just for like... We don't really know where, how this fits in. Yeah. So, but that that tells you the conviction with which these filmmakers know what they got in terms of this franchise. Yeah.
0: Um, for our audience that doesn't um quite understand like the industry, can you explain a little bit of the test screening process and what w- what it actually is set f- to accomplish? Um, and how the test screening you know um operation is is taken.
2: Very often, especially when you're dealing with a, a franchise that has uh, a lot of future potential and certainly has a lot of equity built into it based on its previous success in, its, in the former iterations. This, the big studios will do this and spend a lot of time bringing in test audiences. They do it usually in Burbank, Los Angeles, and they give them a little questionnaire and how do you relate to this character? Who was your favorite character? Did you understand this? Um, what did you feel about this? You know, basically it, it gives you as a producer, uh, and certainly, you know, the production team, it gives you an opportunity to kind of get a real live audience reacting. I and mean, then you can record them. And a lot of times, that's the fun stuff to watch, <laughs> is to watch the body language when you know a certain, yeah, you know, this is a scary moment, let's see if it scares them. Or this is a moment of levity. let's see if they laugh here. Um, so that really gives you a real-time sense of what an audience, how an audience will react to it. And in the case, obviously, of this, it gave us the chance to kind of have an audience um, support in terms of really helping augment a better story. Hmm. Do they give, do they give the audience like
0: questionnaires or yeah. something? Oh, yeah, or, they, or, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, now, <clears throat> so so how many test audiences do they generally do? To do like like one or two sittings, or like one? I think they. I think it's four. I think they did four over the course of a month. Hmm. Um, yeah, and it's, it's it,
2: it, you know, usually it's, especially when you're living in Los Angeles and you're kind of selected to do that. A lot of these companies, like data companies, and one of my careers, I analyzed media coverage for Capital Motor Trials. And those services, those third party audit services, like Nielsen Ratings, you put it to, uh, uh, Nielsen Television Ratings, and then ComScore, um, they're also in the media business. So they will pull together. Um, an audience um, based on the demo, the demographic you think your movie, or in this case, you know this franchise really is aimed at. Yeah. Uh, and then they're also bringing other audiences. You know, that might be you know sixty five plus for a horror movie if they want to see it and yeah. get their feedback because they may be a key influencer. And a thirty year old might want to go see that movie or get that
1: movie. Yeah. That's. Interesting. I was in a test screening for a movie called Happy Texas years ago, twenty years ago, mm. and William H Macy in it, mm-hmm. and he played a local town sheriff. Uh, Stephen Zahn was in it, I think. He I played a he's like mm. it.
3: great. Yeah, I like yeah. Stephen Zahn. Yeah.
1: Have you seen Happy Texas? Yeah, I've seen it. I have. Yeah. Got, yeah. Long time. Anyways, I thought it was interesting, and there's a whole list of stuff we had to fill out. Uh, like that. Just very similar. Like, what was your favorite part? Who's your favorite character? Did you see yourself in any of the characters? Blah, blah, blah. Right. Would you buy this movie? Right. Right. Well, we lost. What happened? Did well, you leave? Oh, there,
2: there you is. are. <laughs> Sorry, someone was calling me out of Jettison Ben.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, that's that's really valuable feedback if you can do it. I mean, you know, I think every producer should try to do that. And I think the temptation is once you finish a movie, and whatever the scope your movie is, you know, a, little, a, a small independent movie, or you know, you're part of a bigger um, you know, project, you really should try to, I think, get some real time audience feedback. Because I like to say, you know, I don't care what you're doing, it's who buys it you've got to focus on. Yeah. And, and so many times filmmakers you know, rush to get it going and start shooting and got a great script and got a great team going. And at the end, they have no. Real sense of how to how we're going to market this movie. How you know we're just going to go sell it, dump it to a store. They're not going to just hand you a check, you know, for, you know, for your work. Yeah. But you really got to understand that. So um, I I always love the idea. And, and again, being working in the advertising and media business, and um, especially with analyzing media coverage for motor trials, I mean that's life or death stuff right there. Um, I like the data driven approach, but I think with, with more Especially when filmmakers did that, they'd have a better sense of how to, you know, pay back their investors. At the end of the day, you've got to be a fiduciary to those that have to really facilitate your vision.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think analytics is a very big portion of making film because... You know what tests well. You know what, how people react to certain things, and you know you know if that's gonna sell. If people are looking for this, and they get this, you know you gotta make that jive and make it make it go together. So if you if you work, if you go make movies strictly by analytics, like X amount of uh, jump scares or X amount of the score on, on the on the film. Uh, you, you know your know, xyz equals successful film so you have an idea of what what to expect in the box office and you so know that's generally. what
3: i've been doing wrong all these years oh we've been telling you
0: plus one does not equal four okay no. <laughs>
3: but i i think, I think that, but i think that's what's wrong with hollywood right now it's all formula based. just sure. like adam sandler plus drew barrymore equals this much money yes and but it. it but, Not my thing. But, yeah. but, but
0: you said the key, well, key like part I of I it takes I the, the Drew Barrymore. process
3: out of it. I mean. Have you know? Yeah, no, but, but. I love Drew Barrymore as much as the but, next guy. But, but you said Not it as as yourself.
0: You said it yourself. Like, it equals money. If they know that they're going to make XY money, it's a nice. business. Film Filmmaking is a business. Yeah, it's and-
1: the business of art, which is a very interesting. Yes. Uh, abstract concept of how do you turn a image, moving or stationary, into money. Yes. And that's basically. <clears throat> Uh, what filmmaking is that's what the industry is. Yeah, I and mean, you got to find so that balance between um, be- yeah. Giving your art
0: and also making money on it So finding mm. that balance because you, you, you hear all, all the time where the producer or, or directors and writers They lose their vision because it gets touched by so many different things Well, right. if you do this, it'll make a little bit more you, you, you'll be able to get more ROI on that particular scene So you'd be able to um, recoup some of that you might lose some of your art but you know but that's that's the, the thing you lose in like big studios paul
3: do you think analytics has lost the creative process along the way i mean as far as filmmakers being more creative than they used to be do you feel like that it's lost that because of analytics
2: i think you have you know, again we're in a history in a moment of history in some, let's say consumer viewing habits you know they used to call it television now it's uh, streaming and it's you know, att over the top product yeah but and, and and people consume television differently than they used to right yes yeah. and i think we're seeing such a divide now between the studio projects um and then the independent films but certainly thanks to the way COVID has changed the theatrical business um you're going to see more and more of it. You're going to see more of kind of a study in synectics. you know, make the strange familiar and the familiar strange. Um, and so much of it is oh, derivative um, that, uh, sadly, I, don't, I, I still think it's going to be a while before we're going to see kind of independent movies have the theatrical support that they once did. Yes. Um, Maybe because we have so many different options now to consume that kind of stuff. Right. Now I'm working on a Christmas movie that um, frankly I think I'm going to stop working on right now because those are consumed at home now thanks to COVID yeah. and consumer habits. So you, you're going to see less and less kind of theatrical versions of that. Um, mm. Certainly the data-driven, the you know, studios about 15 or 20 years ago started uh, populating their sea level suites with marketing people. They have no concept for how to tell a story, no concept for how to cast you know, a movie. But they're all data driven. So I think we've seen, uh, uh, like you just mentioned, kind of those, you know, throw two stars together, come up with a crazy formula that works, and shoot it and get it done, right? right. Um, it forward forward. I remember when Adam Sanders did happen at Netflix. It was like, what, $35 million for five year, you know, five project years or something? Right. I mean, he could just crank about that sophomore stuff all day long. Now, I'm not yeah. saying... Um, certainly, he's got a much better, I think, much better sense of dramatic acting than he used to have. Yes. Um yes. I'm not, I'm not denigrating his school, but that is a studio play of just let's just cough it up and get this thing, you know, get this product out there because we know it can sell. Yep. Right. Um, so yeah, to a degree, but I think it's, it's still, you know, if you listen to, you know, the scroll mm-hmm. verbs of the world, and, and even to a degree, somebody's. Now, i remember working with mike nichols and it was about storytelling and mike, mike nichols used to say on a set of angels in america and it's actually a great documentary called becoming mike nichols there are three types of scenes only three everything else should be cut you know conflict seduction and negotiation because that's what we do in life yeah and it was like certain he just stated it so perfectly um but i think that's where the filmmakers of tomorrow and today need to start striving for is because there's, as you guys know, we can do stuff now. We can make something that used to cost triple or, you know, 10 times what it does now. Um, So I I, I still believe there's some shakeups coming in the theatrical world. Um, But ultimately, you know, I just, I I hate to see these studio-driven marketing C-suite people Making business decisions about stories that they're not really qualified to make, but they're doing it because of shareholders, right. and they're doing it because of the corporate the corporate environment in which they have to operate. And sadly, that's going to push out independent filmmakers, and there'll be a battle over what really shows up the theaters. Right. So, yeah. it's definitely harmed the business data. Um, but you know, like any
1: tool, you got to know how to use it. Yep. So, that's what my wife says
3: it's It's almost morphing into a an area where if it's not a superhero movie or a horror movie it's kind of getting lost <coughs> um i think you're right not to throw your brother on the bus but moonfall is a classic example of a huge sci-fi movie and it just bombed and it did oh, oh yeah, oh, right, really? Is that right. a I think it made dollars opening weekend. Yes, it like was that.
1: Netflix, wasn't it?
3: No, it was released at the theater.
1: Oh, I thought it was a Netflix movie. That's no. why I look for it on Netflix. Oh, no, I no, And that's you know
2: who's known for foreign money, right. a lot of it from China. Yeah, I mean, even, even Midway was largely produced you know, outside of the studio, the so called studio model. But he'll go find money from Canada, uh, where he lives, um, or China. Um, and you know, he's the king of disaster movies and it was a disaster. Yeah. I mean, but that was one but now they shot that during COVID, so that they had some
1: real difficult times. They shot that studio in Montreal. Um Oh, that's the one with the the guy kinda of looks like me in it. That's got Patrick Wilson in it. Right, but and Halle
3: Berry and oh, oh yeah, I yeah. Yeah. If you're if your yeah. beer yeah. was Tell black, me. you would totally look just yeah. like him. Thank <laughs> you. He's a British guy.
1: Kind of annoying. All right, mate. I can do British yeah, too. There you go. <laughs> yeah, British? I don't know. <laughs> but uh, I <laughs> mean, Australian. it seems like it seems you. like comedies are
3: like gone. Like I haven't even seen a good comedy. No. What's the last good, other than Jackass, which I wouldn't consider a movie. Oh, no. Right? What comedy has come out in the last year or two that you're like, wow, that was a really funny movie? And like, they're not even around. I haven't seen a no.
2: comedy released in a while. No. There's no place for them right now in theaters, I think. Um, because if you look at, again, to, funny? You know, <laughs> the, the data, um, yeah. the only demographic that really stayed going to the theater was 18 to 34 years. Yeah. Yep. Um, hard which hard is hard. You know, uh, the, the primary audience for horror. Right. Yeah. Um, what? what? The, You're not even in that I'm, demographic.
1: <laughs> but I'm in the horror demographic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so that's why that's why you, you didn't see a bunch of rom coms at all. Um, and again, they're better played, I think, or better consumed at home. At home. Yeah. So I mean, look at what look at what uh, TV's doing. Yeah. Uh, some of these are really they're aggressive with their money to acquire content. Yeah.
3: Yeah. It's, yeah. I even put my movies on there. <laughs> you know, that's aggressive. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nobody's seen those. Uh, I'm reaching for the bottle of the barrel there. <laughs> right, I got three movies on TV right now. Nice, that's crazy, nice. Um, uh-huh. Now with all the streaming services out there, like, what do you think is going to change with the theaters? Like, like, how are they going to survive if all driving Marvel Drive ins? <laughs> well, if all they're producing is Marvel movies that are coming out maybe twice, three times a year, and then how many horror movies? Three to five, like decent ones that they can actually put in. I know care. one
1: that's coming out this year is going to be amazing. Yeah, in October.
0: So, so do I. <laughs> um, I i still
2: think i still think there's a play for you know let's call it a tech company uh, although they're referred to as studios and, Am- and amazon's a data company right at yeah, the end yeah, of the day yes they but they, very much like apple <clears throat> i think either one of them could buy a theater chain i still think it's probably likely that we're going to see disney yeah, probably tear into it because think about that. Disney could close all their Disney stores and all the malls, take all their Disney property, put it in the theater concessions area, yeah. and it would be like leaving a ride when you leave the movie theater if they owned it. But they could do things like the Star Wars event. Yeah, they could do things with their own IP yeah. to yeah. drive theatrical and, and you know basically to retail operation anyway. Yeah, so think I think by, by the end of the year we're yeah. going to see something like that. You think be, it's going to
3: be like Disney Disney movie theater and Paramount movie theater, and like you think it's going to come to that? It makes sense. I mean, it's going, it's going, They have the
2: apps. I mean, you got Paramount. I mean, it has got, got to got
3: in it. some shape sort or of
2: form? The the uh, Justice Department actually reversed decision. I think it was two years ago that prevented studios from owning a theater chain. That that is up now, so they can actually do that. I, I think if it hadn't been for COVID, we might have seen a move like that than some of these regional theater chains.
3: But, I mean, do you um, think that makes sense for, like, yeah. Paramount to have their own Absolutely. movie theater? I mean, I, obviously Disney makes sense. Like, anything Disney makes but sense.
1: Netflix can do it too. Netflix can do it too with all their, their, their movies can come out in their own. It's like, why just... am I going to go
3: see a Netflix movie at
0: a Netflix theater or just watch it at the house? Because you, you won't mean? be able to do that anymore. Obviously, I'm a, I love going to movies. Well, it's a different but, setting, different, like, films. Some of them have the IMAX. The IMAX is a different, different experience sure. from a regular movie, especially when Yeah, if home. I could have so, saw The Adam Project in the theater, I would have worked. I would have yeah. yeah. Like, there's some movies that you just have to watch. Yeah. And, 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 or
3: maybe they'll just release them at the theater for two or three weeks and then throw sure. on their apps. Sure. You know? Sure. I mean, if, if I'm... If
2: I'm... I, I think it's Disney's probably the most likely because of yeah. their retail operation anyway. Right. But if, I, if I'm Disney and I have... You know, let's say I have got a, you know, a thousand theaters across the country mm-hmm. in key markets. You know, I'll release my own product in theater for a little bit sure. before it goes to Disney Plus, but right. create different events as well. Right. Sure. And then, then you could. You know, that's one thing Disney doesn't do. They don't acquire content, right? Yeah. But they've got, they've got to populate like Matt Geo, Fox, but like they've got a lot of properties now, a lot of streaming properties. Um they could also, you know, with, the, with a theatrical relationship, provide filmmakers uh, like Joe and me and you guys a chance to you know, have their movie in the theater. Yes, right? Right. Yeah. Because the, the alternative is, you'll see nothing but studio movies. Because they're gonna, they're gonna elbow all the little ones out of the way. Yeah. And I think that's gonna change the theatrical experience. You just can't, just can't own it and put the little stuff in it all the time. It's gotta be a different model. Mm-hmm. But that's so why I, I think, think we're gonna be, see something like
1: that. That's why I think the drive-ins are gonna be resurgence. Like they're they're really coming back strong. There was only something like 150 drive-ins like two years ago. And now there's something like 800 drive-ins. But I think they came back because COVID. Yeah. Like well, I think they, they're back, movie. but I think they're gonna stay, man. You think I don't so? think they're gonna go away. I think that people will enjoy them again. I think they'll be around for at least another ten years.
3: But well, they shut down Funland. Well, they just that shut was down years a few ago. weeks ago. I mean, no. a few months ago. Yeah. Um,
1: I'm thinking of wagon wheel.
3: Think the wheel? Uh, oh, no. no, like the Funland Drive-In in Hillsborough, yeah, um, oh. shut down. And I heard Ruskin was not in good shape.
1: Yeah, well, who wants to go see movies of these places?
0: Do you like the, that's the, where I, they're at. I mean, I mean, silver, silver. Well, Highly populated areas, areas like this, yeah. there's, there's nowhere like you'd ha- how, how expensive that land is just to show a drive-in movies. I don't think you'd make your money back in, in this what? area, like Pinellas County. I, I think that. Like, right now, you, you need probably three acres just to do a drive-in, and an acre is probably, like, 400 grand. And that's just for, for one screen. Just for an acre. <laughs> like, that, that. It's not – do you think you're going to, like, be successful? Charging what? five bucks? <laughs> oh, uh, I don't just... know. Are you talking to me? Yeah. Well, I'm saying in general because you oh. had have, have the question about – uh. You did? Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> see what I have to deal with. <laughs> well, I was thinking about other stuff while you were
1: talking about nonsense.
0: It wasn't nonsense. It, 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 was, a, it was the business of movies, of uh, screening so, movies. <laughs> yeah. All right. Like, you, you have to have, like, a good return because, like I said, you need all right. that. I know. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I, I don't see drive-ins being popping up like that because of the areas, um, especially in Florida.
1: Well, Florida, maybe not. Well, this area. Yeah, I mean, I know the reality is getting out of control. Florida
3: sucks yeah. for drives because it's so freaking hot. Yeah, but you yeah, got to keep it. your car on and it's just. You never been
1: down to the Everglades outdoor <laughs> swampland driving through there, Man, no, that's... No. Yeah, great. you can get bit by a rattlesnake and eaten by an alligator it's and great. <laughs> great. Have
0: you have you uh, okay. have you partook in um, uh drive-in
1: drugs? late drugs? Oh. What?
2: <laughs> I, mean, I think it's the oldest drive-in in the state of Virginia. Uh, I was at last year, and they had 1,000 cars. Wow! It's nestled in a little valley, which is we oh, content that's beautiful. That's so I was there for an event. It was really awesome. That's. Really um, but it's definitely. I mean, I think it's 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 definitely a community-oriented yeah. kind of venue. that you know, there will be those um, that I think will survive. Um, and, and, and this is Big Stone Gap, yeah, Virginia. So this is, you know, population 5,000. I think they were all there that night. Yeah. You know? Um,
1: it's like the town that feared sundown. Yeah. Dreaded <laughs> sundown. The sundown.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Oh. Yeah. But you anyway, see, they, they have the land and stuff. They have, like, the, the atmosphere yeah. forest. Well, stuff. I'm not going to build one. You should. All right. <laughs> you have all this positive stuff to say about well, it. Well, I mean, I just <laughs>
1: try to get my movie seen. That's all. I'm just saying exactly I'll go build a fucking theater if I have to yeah oh. so what's next on your plate Paul How about pop-up theaters sorry go ahead <laughs> pop-up theaters yeah I like that idea well, like, seriously like we get a semi right and it, it opens up the trailer they have trucks into a theater they have trucks that have. and it's full of chairs you pull all the chairs out and you do like a
0: fucking pop-up theater
1: on the side of the road somewhere well they do that for
0: backyard theaters they do, they, okay, they they do bring your own chair yeah. Yeah. Hey, hey, a chair, hey, blanket, hey, see you lazy ass on the grass. sorry, go ahead.
1: Sorry. Oh, I just so. I always think I have a great idea that's already been done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: So, so what's next on your plate, Paul?
1: <laughs> um
0: uh
1: next
2: month on uh, I think it's the seventeenth of April, uh my uh, uh I play Richard Nixon showtime oh, nice. series nice. Um, that's cool that's the, the, really gonna be fun that's a beautiful story called the first lady which is more or less they take historic moments in the white house told through the eyes of the first lady so the oh, first oh, first lady cool. that we i think is, in the series is betty ford played by michelle pfeiffer Ooh, and then erin nice. eckhart plays um gerald ford not played richard nixon in that series that's um cool. Judy, Judy Greer has a great little role, and Dakota Fanning oh. plays her daughter, Susan. Did you meet
1: um, Michelle Pfeiffer? Sorry? Did you meet her? Oh, yeah. I'm, like, same to her. Anyway. Yeah. Is she still amazingly beautiful? Yes. I mean, she's, like, that big. Yeah. All right. Um,
2: but she's she's every bit of the Michelle Pfeiffer you remember.
1: Yeah.
2: And, and lovely to be. Yeah. Really, really, really fun. And, and I had a great time with Aaron. I was kind of chiding there on because he really wasn't affecting his voice too much. And, you know, Joe Ford had kind of a high voice, hard Irish from Michigan. And I was like, what are you doing, dude? We got to get into it. Because uh-huh. I'm, like, going full on, right? Oh, yeah. well, no. Like, he, he's like, you're a freak. I'm not doing what you're doing. You're a freak. So we, we had a good time. Viola um, <laughs> Davis uh, is the EP. She, she was the boss. She also right. plays Michelle Obama and her and little freak episode series oh, and it nice. ends with jillian anderson playing eleanor roosevelt and uh, Kiefer sutherland is fdr in that so it's a really uh, a fantastic cast we Good shot it time. in atlanta about this time last year yeah. uh just south and uh near connor's uh on a soundstage. it was kind of fun walking in to you know the east room at the white house and right. my oval office that they it was really really cool but uh, just to Suzanne Beer uh, was our director. She did Bill Box probably most notably. Yeah, yeah. Um, she was great. So uh, I, I I love it when uh, international artists, so people from foreign countries. Uh, She's from Denmark. Ah. Deal with American history because yeah. they have such an interesting, different they perspective. And, yes, they do. Yeah, we, we take a lot of that for granted because we grew up listening to that and, and learning about that through school. Yeah. But it was it was really fun to kind of see her really embrace that material um and and i think it's gonna be great it should be it should be really fun so that's coming out april 17th on showtime um and then i might might be starting production on another little project soon but uh i'll I'll come back to talk about that one if that falls into
0: place absolutely we would love to
2: have
1: yeah and and we might yeah and and i'm hopefully i'll be working with paul we will be working with paul in september that's the guy. Yeah. So Very nice. But did you hear yeah, anything, uh, on a side note, did you hear anything else about that thing we did? No. Because I haven't heard shit. I haven't heard anything. Uh, uh. I think they're still...
2: They weren't really officially supposed to start until like early April, so okay. I think it was a little premature but what we did anyway. I haven't right. even really been ready for casting yet. Right. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll keep it posted if I find out more, I'm due okay. to uh, kind of touch base with um, one of the key players involved
1: soon, our buddy Tony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll find out. I'll get, I'll get an update there. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. Nice. Is that it for our, our Paul? Uh, oh, I, by I, the way, concert. Oh, yeah. So what is we, that? We have, my brothers and
2: I have this kind of, I call it a bid for immortality. We formed a band. And we never really set out to do that. But it started as a birthday party for our brother Mark. Mark is between me and Patrick. And uh, Mark is an exquisite guitar player. So that was about 15 years ago. And since then, the media uh, dubbed us um, Van Wilson because we play a lot of Ben Hale. Um Mark is Mark's the Eddie Ben Hale. Patrick plays the drums like Alan. And I just play the crowd like Wigley So um, since then, uh, since that birthday party about 11 years ago, 12 years ago, we raised about a a little over a quarter of a million dollars for local charities.
0: Wow! So we have a wow. big one
2: coming up on May 29th with Janice Live downtown Silicon. But uh, in the first two weeks of announcing, we already sold nearly 900 tickets. Wow. So nice. that's been great to see the support. We've got some great sponsorships. We've um, so some wonderful support from the business community and obviously our fans. So that should be a rip-roaring time. Yeah. So you're David Lee Roth. Yep, can you do the jump splits? Um <laughs> I might be able to. Now, not holding the camera, but yeah, I, I used to do the flying rushes. I used wow. to do those. Um wow. but at fifty four I decided not to do it anymore. But yeah, all I do 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 that that break both my knees. Nice. I've been told that I I have a very high kick that most NFL punters don't have. Wow. So, wow. Um, Maybe that would definitely be in, <laughs> yeah. in the cards that night. Uh, I call you Brady.
1: Oh, Brady. You guys join a union, and you go become a Bucks punter this year. <laughs> I could do that. Yeah. I mean, I'm not that fast anymore, so Good we'll see. Not, you just got to get it through the uprights. If
0: they touch you, you can act it out. Oh, he hit me. Just knocked out. Just knock out.
2: I, said, I, I think, think we're going to be in good shape now that we've got Tom Brady back. I, expect yeah. back. I don't know if that's happened yet, but I expect we're going to give back to Gronkowski as yeah. well. Oh so right, we'll come should. back. Okay. So that'll
1: be the end of the week. Oh,
0: yeah. You know him. He's like, oh, buddy, yeah. Tom Brady yeah. Back. Oh, yeah, yeah. back? Yeah, I'm yeah. back. Yeah, 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 I'll be back. I'll be, yeah. <laughs> I'll be <right> yeah. there on <laughs> Monday. I'll be right there. I'll be right <laughs> there. 7 a.m., guys. <laughs> but, Paul Wilson, thank you so much yeah. for joining us this morning. Thank you for joining us. Thank you all. Yes, all the time. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you. You're great, buddy. I love you, man. Thank All right, you. We'll talk soon. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Really, hopefully hope we get you good back guys. on soon. Nice. Okay, thank you. See, See you, Paul. Too. See yeah. you, bye. See ya. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, Paul Wilson. There he is, shutting it down. <laughs> well, that was a great one. That was good. Are was we good. done?
0: No? you are still talking. Okay, great. I didn't end the show first. All right. But I figured he wanted to go because he was walking around pacing. So I figured, yeah. yeah. I read the, I read the, I read the, you know. Read the room. There you read go. the room. Yeah, there you go. Red room. Red, rum. red room, red rum, red rum, red rum, red rum, okay. Now, what do you got going? I don't got nothing. Nothing. What do
1: you mean? I'm just talking about fish people. Nice. I'm trying to get that. How's All that right. going? Good, man. I uh, We got two investors to, uh, talking to two investors. I'm going to see one when I leave here. Nice. And see what he has to say. But I assume I probably won't really have any answers till the end of the week. Wow. Uh, but at the end of the week, I'm going to hear from both my investors whether they're going to go or not because we got to go. The fish people. <coughs> well, I'm, yeah.
0: I'm excited to be able to help you with their project. Yeah.
1: Uh, so, yeah. That's all I really. I mean, I might talk about doing South of Central, finishing up season two. Nice. You
0: know, okay.
1: I don't know. Uh, I got really busy with not.
0: I mean, um, uh, we still got. It. Uh, um, ladies and gentlemen, on uh, real people real content, make sure you you're fo- following and watching each episode that we do post every Wednesday at six pm of south of Central.
1: South of Central. It's the place to be S- Season one. I
0: think episode four comes out Wednesday, Wednesday uh, tomorrow. Yes, yeah, yes. So uh, <laughs> hush, be sure to check that out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, very
1: good. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. Chris, uh, you got anything? How's your cheerleader movie That's done?
3: It's going good. I finished the edit. Um, nice. Tell to me. Color graded everything? Yeah, everything's color graded. Fantastic. We just got to do music, uh, score, mm-hmm. and uh, sound effects, stuff like that, credits. Oh. And uh, so we're looking at a May premiere, maybe early May. Nice. Mid May. <laughs> nice. Probably rent a theater out and show it and um,
0: see what happens. And if you're not subscribed, please make sure you subscribe, like, and follow on all our, our podcasting websites, such as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, um, Castbox, uh, Spotify. Man, we have so many different. There's so many. There's yeah. so many. If if you can't see us, you're
1: follow me personally at Joey Giggle Pants. G i g g l e Pants Joey. Joey Gigglepants. I wish you could wear some pants. <laughs> on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. All the same. Joey Gigglepants. Yeah, I, I gotta start I
3: gotta start Instagram. And you know me, yeah. Tone
0: Deaf on Florida, on Instagram and TikTok. Yeah, I don't have a TikTok. I don't have anything to TikTok about. You play
1: with your TikTok all the time. Well, That's uh, a tic-tac. Oh, 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 you should just oh. cut it right
0: there. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining <laughs> us. The Guy Podcast. Chris Leto, Joe Davidson, and myself, Tone Deaf of Florida, Tony D. Goodbye. Bye.